are now joined, it's not really staged, but I'm joined by Richard Curl and Mark Gregory, two of the greats when it comes to Chelsea flower shows and constructing, um, you know, amazing show gardens. Um, I feel a little bit in awe of sitting between them with zero construction knowledge. Um, but what we're going to do is we're just going to have, I guess, a conversation a little bit about their experience of what it's like to work with designers. Um, I guess they'll probably give advice on how to treat construction teams with respect that they deserve. Um, but I thought, it, you know, I would love to just let you introduce yourselves a little bit. Richard, perhaps first, just, you know, what you do, show gardens that you've been involved with, maybe your favourites from previous years. It would be lovely for everyone to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, I'm Richard Kerr and I run uh, Landscape Associates. We've been building show gardens for seven or eight years now. Um, I think longer with Hampton Court. First Chelsea Garden was back in 2014, I believe, um, for Hugo Bug. Um, before Charlotte and Hugo joined forces, we've worked for, for both. Um, and yeah, we, there are, I don't know, it's difficult. It's like picking children, isn't it, in terms of <laughs> favourites? Um, and this year's was pretty special, and, and we got the best in show, so that kind of resonates a lot with, with me. Um, but we, we've been very lucky to work with some very special designers over the years, um, and I know Char Charlotte's in the room. I've got to give her a shout-out for the uh, RBC and Tom on the O Valley. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, you know, we've, we've been very lucky over the years and we've, we've worked with some top designers oh, and, awesome. and we've been fortunate. Yeah, I could see Tom craning being like, please don't forget <laughs> <All> me. <that. laughs> um, and Mark, I mean, there's probably no one who's done more show gardens no. than you. It's 107 um, this year, it's 107. So my first show garden was in 89 for Robin Williams. It actually wasn't a show garden, it was a pop-up to celebrate the uh, uh, opening of the Gateshead Garden Festival. And I just got hooked, and this is my, I think, 33rd year of building. Um, and I've built kind of everything and had every experience under the sun. And I think gold medals, team goals were into 40s plus, I think. Six personal goals as design. Um, yeah, it's just in the DNA of our company. Uh, we, we love it. Uh, we use it for um, um, training a lot of younger crews. We, we use it for mentoring. We use it for... Um, benchmarking ourselves and where we are, but also as, a, as the, is the perfect contract really, you know, it's got a start, middle and an end. <laughs> and, you know, and it, it just really kind of benchmarks us as a business, how to deliver something to a world-class standard in a, in a given time, whatever happens, basically. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, but we didn't get best in show. We were, <laughs> but I'm not bitter. Not bitter. But I we, think I'm sitting between you both. We, we did win best construction, which uh, it, it was was great. But um, yeah, interestingly, I've never I've won people's favourite twice. I've won lots of gold medals. I've never won best in show. Um, and been there so so very close, but you know that's the way it is. But. Um, um, yeah, it's, uh, we've never not meddled at Chelsea, and uh, I'm certainly not intending to start it now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, it's an amazing opportunity, and it just gets in, you, you know, in your system. Um, it's not for everybody, and it can be quite terrifying. And, and, but, you know, you either love it or you don't love it, and I clearly love it. 
Um, <laughs> it's a kind of adrenaline buzz that I think I obviously need. But uh, yeah. I was gonna my, my, a lot of people won't know my kind of show career started as an apprentice working for Mark Gregory. I am that old. Oh, many, many, <laughs> many years ago. Um, but yeah, I remember back then I, I kind of cut my teeth and learned a lot of experience working alongside Mark as a kind of fresh-faced yeah, graduate. I was going to ask what keeps you both coming back. Adrenaline is well. Yeah, I mean, I think the camaraderie ship, I think actually really challenging myself. Um, I think, you know, I've, do, I've designed at Chelsea, but whether you design or whether you build, I just actually love the process, I love the people. I love, actually, I learn an awful lot. I mean, where else can I work against some of the best artisans in Europe, if not the world? How they work, how they operate, how they communicate, you know, how they look. And, you know, and I learn so much. Where else can I learn things like that, actually? You know, we work on big gardens behind big private hedges and see nothing, really. But actually at Chelsea, we, we, inter we, we share a lot. Uh, there's a lot of camaraderie between uh, the Chelsea. So although, you know, we are competitive, um, but you are competing against a standard. So everybody starts with a gold medal at Chelsea Flower Show. Every single garden starts at gold. And then obviously through various things that gets eroded down. But the actual camaraderie ship on site, um, literally, you know, we'll, we, ha we have to work together. I think, you know, the contractors are, I think, absolutely the, possibly the unsung heroes because they actually, I've seen designers crushed and crumpled and we get hold of that designer and actually just carry them and bulldoze them through. And <laughs> Good language. Well, but, but that's, not, that's, that's what we do. And, um, you know, contractors are not under the same pressure as the design side. So we kind of know, and we, 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 I talk about get out of jail cards, and we're all very switched on as to what, what can go wrong, when it goes wrong, how to put it right. Uh, and that happens, and actually things don't go, if things don't go wrong on a build, it's been a pretty bland Chelsea, really, actually. <laughs> it's, it's nice, but sometimes we have to unload other people's trucks to get our trucks in, so it's a complete teamworking of the whole show. It's not, it's, you cannot be precious at Chelsea. It's a complete team effort to pull that show together from everybody. Yeah. And I think that's what I really, I really like. Um, and actually, I, I kind of see something happening. I think that's, that's not right. That's not the way to do it. And I kind of engage with that. And, and that's, that's part of it. You know, really, there's a, there's a lovely atmosphere of, of help. And you know, it's almost like stage. Well, it is a show, but we're putting on a show jointly as, yeah. a, as a collective of show gardens. You know, and that's... And I think the media miss a massive opportunity. I really do. We were talking earlier. I think they, they, they don't see the preparation that goes in and uh, just the huge amount of skills that are required to, to stage, you know, what is a world-class premier event. So. Amazing. What about? Yeah. I mean, for me, I, yeah, I have to kind of reiterate that that collaboration um, and that learning process is really important for this year's garden. Um, we got the opportunity to go and obviously visit habitats that have been created by beavers. We got the opportunity to speak to specialists from Exeter University about the impact they have and about the biodiversity that they create. And there's no, you know, you wouldn't normally get to do that in my day to day life. I wouldn't be able to speak to those individuals and learn those kind of mm. things. You also do work with artisans. So there's the, the walling guys that we met at Disused Quarry in um, Exmoor and sourcing through 
mm. um, wall in stone with those guys. You know, there's you, you kind of you improve as an individual. I think through doing the Chelsea process, you learn more skills every year. Mm. You learn more. Mm. Um, but that kind of camaraderie on the site is, I think, something that drags everyone back because that is pretty special. And uh, you know, there's people here that have been at the showground. Everyone kind of knows what it's like once you're in that. It, it's like being part of a family, really. Mm. Even. And what do you think, you know, that relationship, what do you think makes a really great partnership with a designer? Like, what do you look for? I think the, the most important thing uh, for me is uh, an element of fun, because it's incredibly draining. It's, I, I think actually putting a garden on at Chelsea is like running a, a marathon. Um, it's absolutely exhausting. It really, really is exhausting. And emotion gets in there and things do go wrong. But you have to keep in perspective. We're building gardens, you know. It's, we're not off, <laughs> we're not in an operator theatre. But but it is serious. It's it's career it's career defining. It's career destroying if it's messed up. Nobody knows that more than me. But it's, it's got to be fun. It's got to be fun, you know. So for what makes a great collaboration for me, I don't particularly like arrogance or pressures or I want to be inclusive in, in part of the team. And and it's important that every single member of our team. I feel that they're actually included and they're actually part of the journey because they are and and for, for my is to make sure I've got the right mix of people uh, and that the and the design is fully engaged completely accessible and fully engaged with the whole process we talk about you know it's it's kind of over many many years and I'm sure Rich has got the same I can look at a set of 2d plans and bring them into 3d in my head practically instantly now and I can I can say that is where the issue is that is going to be a problem that's going to be uh, a, something that we really got to focus on and that could go wrong and, and you know get out where's a get out of jail card where's the escape route what, what where's the and and all those conversations and and you know it's quite interesting because obviously how we work and we'll, we'll work completely different from um, from, from Rich, but I were, obviously I've got Catherine McDonald, who herself is a gold medal designer, and when we're building for other people, she basically uh, is part of my, of my process, so she'll look after all the, make sure all the drawings are aligned, make sure all the, everything, all the nuts and bolts are absolutely nailed down. You know, administration and that's, I can get, it's not my forte, you know? Mm -hmm. So she, she pulls all that together, so that's part of the pre-thing. But I never in, engage the foreman until the design's kind of nearly frozen out because it, it gets confusing for them. Yeah. So, you know, we, 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 we try to get all the designs frozen out as quick as we can, then we're building the teams. And then the, that relationship starts to form. And, and you know, it, it's, for me, it's about people. So it's about putting the right foreman with the right personality yeah. and, 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 and just getting that dynamics. And, and that's, where it, that's where it goes. That's where I think the success is to get the right people together and yeah. get them talking and, and, and build, up the, build up all that respect. Yeah. And that respect is the word, you know. We have got to respect the design and design, expect the design process, but equally, it's got to come back too, you know. Yeah. And we I think, what, sorry to interrupt, but what you said there about being, like, just being precious and sort of setting aside, because, you know, you looking at design and asking questions and pushing and challenging aspects of it, it's not about criticism, it's about wanting the best, no, right? No, I mean, so the thing is, you know, I mean, it's, when, when we, are, are contractors at our level, are looking at plans, it's not to try and make our lives simpler or easier or 
cost cut or anything like that. It's it's probably how to deliver a better project, you know. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. You know, we 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 want those medals as 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 badly as you do. Mm -hmm. And if we don't, then you know, if you don't get in that from your contractor, they're not right for you. Yeah, they need to be so hungry for it. And I, am I hungry for it? Absolutely, I am. Yeah. You know, I'm really madly hungry as a, as I was 30, 30 odd years ago. And, and, and you have to have that passion from us. You need to feel that your contract is fully committed to that process. Mm -hmm. and, and if they're not, it's going to be a bumpy road. Yeah. And, you know, Rich and Mark, you both worked on, you know, projects that have had a good cause, you know, associated with them. That's probably something the charities can contribute as well, is really educating your teams on what the cause is about, making sure they know why they're part of that process what are they trying to achieve like with rewilding britain yeah you know, how did you get them up i mean i think that that collaboration starts really early to be yeah. honest with you for us and as mark mentioned as a contractor you do have a lot vested a huge amount invested in these gardens i think um, maybe it's not the right place to say it but it feels to me sometimes <laughs> that if um you know if it gets a gold and it goes really well then it's all about the designer if it doesn't get it gold and it maybe goes wrong, then it's all about the contractor. <laughs> so, you know, we, we've, we've, we've got an awful lot at stake as well as you guys. So, you know, I, I feel that, as Mark said, you can't really have egos. If we're offering advice, it's because we're coming from the best place and we want that garden to be right and to be perfect. And there were, you know, the, every year there's frank conversations with designers about how we feel things might work best. Um, and we get that kind of early involvement. I mean, this year on the Rewild in Britain Garden, um, the team we put together very early. So the team that were building the garden were the team that were coming with me to Exmoor and selecting the stone in the disused quarry. They were the same team that were coming with me to the beaver sites to collect the kind of north, you know, debris from the, from the beaver lodges and dams. Um, so that kind of collaboration happened, needs to happen early. We need to all kind of communicate openly and freely. And I think a big thing is, as designers, like don't be afraid to talk to your contractors, even if you feel like it's a silly question or it's, you know, yeah. not important. Ask, be open, be as open as you can, because that's critical. To be yeah. honest with you, I think. I mean, you you might be saying there, well, that's all right for them to say that because they're they're Chelsea veteran contractors, and I haven't got a Chelsea veteran contractor, and I've got somebody who's fantastic at doing what they do, but they've never been to Chelsea, and that's fine too, actually. I mean, one of my roles is, is obviously kind of mentoring, yeah. potentially, your, your contractors. And I think, you know, my role, I mean, I, they made me an ambassador for landscaping for the RHS on Monday. And I, I've always had that informal kind of thing about trying to bring, encourage new people um, into, into the shows. So I would say, um, you know, if you're contract and you're feeling that, ooh, I don't think they're good enough, well, give them a shot, and if they're really, really keen, then you know there is a process to support them and make sure you know we share in part knowledge. You know, it's it's not about keeping your cards close to your chest. Your chest. You know, as I said, wearing an RHS hat is it's it's one of our our jobs to to help people. You know, and, and help them. As I said, it's the whole collective team. So that you'll you'll find an awful lot of love on that site. But really, what you don't want to do is you want to be prepared and everybody needs to be prepared as well as they could be for when you hit the ground running because you know literally you need to manage that process to the hour you know the reason that these big gardens get built as they do is because you know everybody is on the same page everybody's driving to a program 
and when things go wrong, this, this year's been easy because it's been dry, but next year it might be raining and it might be horrible. That's when it gets tough because you, you've still, the Queen's coming on, on press day whether you finish or not. And that thought is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> it's actually terrifying. So that's where your career would be over at that point. <laughs> ta taxi to Heathrow, please. But, but you can mitigate for that. So are your crews ready? Are all your waterproofs packed? Are all your covers? And, and so you can work through the pouring rain. That, has, that garden has to be delivered to a world-class quality. And, you know, would the RHS judges cut any slack over the fact that your point is being smudged because it rained? Not at all. Absolutely zero, zero tolerance of that. And, and that's the truth. So, you know, it's, it, it's, you have to be prepared. And if your contractor's not experienced, you have to basically get the ability to get them to speed as quick as you can. Yeah. And one of the tools is obviously us involved with project giving back because the RHS need new, need new designers, but also they need new contractors. It's not about just, so it's, we, we're, we can impart our knowledge and the, and the knowledge is shared freely. But sometimes it's shared too late on site. You know, over many years I've seen people turn up ill-prepared, massively ill-prepared, and we help them out. You know, the, the best year I've ever had at Chelsea was 2010. I, did, I designed and I built three gardens, got three gold medals. It's never been done, it'll probably never been done in the history. But the biggest memory for me was helping so many people on that showground. Kim and I, you Mark Gregory, have you got this, have you got that? And they won't expect me to just drop what I'm doing and, and, and do, and help. And that's part of the buzz, you know, helping. Yeah. And, and that help is out there for you, but, you know, you need to have a damn good effort of trying to sort it out yourself. Yeah. That's one, um, one thing that when I was asking Mark about, you know, what it's like being, you know, coming on board as a bit of a mentor for PGB, one of the things that Mark said to me was like, well, not enough people called me early enough. So it's uh, I'm, now I'm setting you up for a million calls a day. Well. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, getting I think what you said there about getting people involved early is so yeah. much better. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, like a new designer brings a lot of energy and new contractors bring lots of energy. And, you know, if they're not briefed properly, then it's like kind of a lamb to the slaughter. I mean, Chelsea itself can be a terrifying place. There's one road in, one road out. It's in central London. It can be an absolute nightmare. It really, really can. Be absolutely no clear about that completely. But obviously localised knowledge and where things go and very quickly, because you have not got time to mess about. You really have to maintain your program and actually be, be really kind of, have a relationship with a contractor that you can actually look at your program and say, we are slipping behind. You know, and, and you know, so yeah, I need a week to plan. And, and those dates are really, really critical, actually. Um, because, you know, um, yeah, well, that, that's it. I, I think that's, it's, it's a really, and that, that's what I think the buzz is. Yeah. yeah so the deadline. I think I think with the time and with the deadlines as well. The other thing maybe to mention is about having um, just taken as much of the decision-making process away from the actual build, and that's where the early involvement is really critical. I think. I mean, we this year we were mocking up the walls, and we had about three or four iterations of, of those walls, um, and with that material that's quite you know informal and quite rustic and needs to look natural. Um, it's quite a difficult thing, you know, there's, you could get, uh, whatever we had, 15 tonne of slate yeah. and build 20 walls that all look completely different. Yeah. 
and none of those walls might be what the designer wants. So we was building walls three or four months before we was on the showground to say, is this what you mean? Yeah. Have a look at it, tell me what you want. And that, I think, is critical, that kind of taking that decision-making process out of the showground. The, the showground. Yeah, you mm. want to know exactly what you're doing, exactly what the mm. kind of course size are, how it's going to work, how it's yeah. going to look, and everyone knows before they mm. get there. Um, Amazing. Hitting the ground running is just so critical. It's critical. One question I want to ask you both, and then I'll open it up to the crowds because I reckon everyone's going to have a lot of questions for you, is what's been the most challenging, from a good point of view, like build that you've been involved with at the show? All from a bad point, but hmm. I don't know if you want to answer that, but challenging from an exciting, ambitious... I don't know which... Richard, I don't know um, to go first. I don't know, probably take my while to go through that back catalogue. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, all, all the builds we've done, I think, have been challenging in their own kind of separate way. But there's, yeah, there's been one or two heart in the mouth moments. I remember um, Hugo's second garden um, had some big stone kind of pyramids that went in, which were all being manufactured off site and brought down from, from Scotland. And this kind of highlights how communication is key because we were sort of saying well they need to come on a flatbed because they're so big they're so heavy forklift won't touch them they've got to be lifted from above by a crane and into position um, and they turned up on a current cider mm. and the one thing we'd ask not so mm. then we've got I don't know mm. like a six tonne pendulum mm. that we're trying to slide out of a lorry oh mm. with a crane on a showground in a goldfish bowl with everyone mm. looking at you. So there's been one or two heart in, the, heart in the mouth moments that, you know, that, that kind of happens. And, and, and you do, you have these moments, don't you? And you've got to get through it. You've got to keep mm. the team motivated. I mean, that day it was like, right, we need to go away, sit down, think about how we're going to do this. Um, mm. We had the health and safety guys there with us. We had the crane operators with us. We had the biggest set of forks we could, kind of just lifting it off the bed as the crane was taking the weight of it. And we got them all off, got them into sight. But, such a simple communication, mm. bring it on a flatbed, and it turns up not what you're expecting mm. is the sort of thing you can mm. do without on the mm. showground. Mm. And that's where it becomes so critical. Mm. And then you have a conversation after, like, oh, well, that lorry turned up, and I thought it'd be fine, so we just put them on there, you know, <laughs> and, that, and that's it. But that was a fun day. Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> anyone anyone get buried under that pyramid? <laughs> 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 oh, I wonder who's on site for that one. Mark, what about I, you? To be honest, there's too many. I could <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's probably, I mean, as I said, things go wrong on, a, on an annual basis and, and that's part of it, really. You just mm. got to roll with it. And I think actually for me, that's back in the day, I'd be straight in there, get out of the way, I'm sorting this out. But now I let the guys sort it out and, and see, how they, <laughs> see how they respond to sorting it out and work it out. Interestingly, true story, 2019, um, we built the, the canal garden, which is probably the most ambitious build as a contract I could ever do. It's a pretty stupid thing to do in, in, in looking back. But we were building also for Tom Hoblin next door for the Dubai Garden. And unbeknown to me, so I had a separate crew there, separate foreman there, and I kept going round now and again. All of a sudden, some of my crew disappeared off my garden. Where, where's the crew gone? And I, nobody said anything, not, nothing to me. But overnight, Tom had left the water on, on the hedge. And basically, our, our, our concrete pools were built up on soil and fill and undermined, and the whole bottom of the pool went, dropped. The whole lot went. I mean, talking uh, a thousand gallons of water, disappeared. And we had two days before judging or something, a day, day and a half before judging, and they, they sorted it. 
and I, as a neighbour, I never knew it happened, <laughs> apart from some of the labour gone. But you know, things with, with good people, uh, things get sorted out. So there's been there's more positives than negatives, and those those are not negatives. Those are thing, things that happen on temporary bills. You're commissioning. You've got no time to commission anything. You flick everything on and pray to God. It all comes in and <laughs> works, and and then and usually sometimes it doesn't. I mean, I've got no leaks at Chelsea Flower Show this year. No leaks at all. But potentially, I could be hemorrhaging water everywhere. <laughs> the fact is, uh, my six-meter waterfall is blo blowing out and wetting yeah, yeah. the bloody pins bar next door. <laughs> first time I've got two two top ups, two two ball valves to keep that thing uh, contained with water, but it doesn't leak. But but as I said, I think it's uh, it's communication. It's yeah. really really sharp communication, and it's the epitome of when you think about it, the perfect contract. You've got client who wants to be there, you've got a designer who, who's pushing, you get fast decisions and, mm. you know, and, and really where, you, where utopia is, is that you can, we as, a, we're probably tuned in and we can see, we can see an iceberg coming, looming. And so we'll say, oh, well, you know, what are you going to do about it? It's not like that. It's like, look, there's an iceberg coming. Yeah. These are the options. You've got A, B and C. Uh, oh, well, I'll let you know tomorrow. No, 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 no. Have a cup of tea, and we, we, these are the options, and we need to know in the next 10 minutes, like, you know. So it's thinking on your feet very, very fast when things go wrong. And, and you know, I think it's, it's, not, it's to be embraced, not to be feared, really. Because if you go in there thinking everything's going to be perfect, it's kind of naive, and you're going to get, you're going to hit the wall. And the other thing, as I said, I wear, I wear a judging hat, I wear a design hat, I wear a contracting hat. And I'm happy with all horse hats. But the one thing I would say is really lighten up bef <laughs> before you even go to Chelsea. Accept that things are going to go wrong. Accept that, that something will change. And don't get too uptight about the process. Because actually, the second thing I'll think something that alters might be actually better. You know? And, and, and I think actually, if you, if you actually relax, I think the garden relaxes with you and people around you relax. If you're uptight, the whole thing's on edge and uptight. And I've been in situations like that. Yeah. No one knows, no mentions, but I have. <laughs> and it, it just, it, it makes for an uncomfortable build for everybody, including you. Yeah. So if you accept that, you know, we're going to roll with this, we've done our best, we'll roll, and, and surround yourself by good people who want to be there, then you'll overcome, you'll overcome most things, actually. Rich, I think you had a few repeats on the wall and things like that. Things changing, they do, don't they? Just yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. There was, um, yeah. Despite all of the kind of samples and stuff, of course, in you know on on site, we we changed a couple of sections just to make sure. Yeah. So they're, they're, yeah, you're right. You do have to be flexible. There is always, um, you know, you do have to, I think, <coughs> allow for that. Um, but that that decision making process that Mark spoke about, being sharp, being quick, is the kind of thing. You know, we don't. It's not a client's garden on a three-month project where you say, oh, can we try this tree here? And, oh, no, actually, I think I want to swap them two over. You know, none, none of that goes on. We, we want decisions, we want it done, and we're on to the next stage. The one thing, as, as Mark's mentioned, about that process with the, with the time and how critical it is, that the programming is so kind of finite and it's down to, you know, calling stuff off deliveries daily and having the program on a day-by-day -day basis, hour by hour sometimes. Yeah. And if you slip then it, even when those days go well and you've got loads done and you look back at the end of the day that, that kind of twilight hour on the showground at sort of quarter to eight mm. or whatever you're looking mm. back going wow we've achieved loads today 
and you can kind of get caught in that moment. But then when you look at the programme, you go, I've got even more to get through tomorrow. Mm. And it is just like that. It's just relentless yeah. all the way through. I'm going to open it up to questions, but Bill, oh, we've already got one straight off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Well, any other questions? Right, we're going to do an auction now for the Rich Um Sorry, Rosie, have you got a question? Well, I have. It's um, 19 days to build the gardens, isn't it? Yeah. And three days to dismantle yeah. them. With the project giving back relocation, yeah. are you involved in that process too? Yeah, I mean, that's a really, really good point, actually, because obviously the RHS are, are, are walking towards sustainability and rehousing and repurposing these gardens. And I would say three, four days is really, really tight. The, the, the breakdown needs to be planned possibly better than the build-up. And uh, we, 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 we haven't spoke about that, but the breakdown is more complicated. And that's where damage gets done. Um, and obviously, if your garden is being rebuilt, permanently you may have to build it differently than if it was being scrapped you know it may need the steel might need powder coating or you know galvanizing as opposed to you know raw steel that could go back into recycling process so there's a, actually thinking about the the longevity of it the strip out the build the breakdown is really messy it's it's no matter how you can imagine you've got one road one road and everybody wants to get it as fast as they can and it's just carnage actually carnage <laughs> yeah and stuff does get damaged so again you know if you're promising clients or you've rented trees and you're promising those clients the trees are going to be immaculate it's not going to happen it's not going to happen there's going to be damage and you have to accept there's going to be damage because we can't swing a cat in there absolutely cannot swing a cat and most designers just don't want to get involved in the breakdown for good reason because it's 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 not pretty and you know, and, and it may be that all your garden can't be put, can't be pulled, can't be pulled out properly. You know, it may be that you know you have to factor that in into into the design. But the the breakdown is a really good point. So so this year particularly is really it's a double whammy because normally on a big show garden we start on Sunday and we've got to be out by Thursday. Okay, Thursday's a bank holiday. We can't get muck away. Lorries, the tips are closed. We can't get stuff to be collected. So the RHS will give us a dispensation to go into the following week as a one year on. But next year, you know, that, that showground is hired and you've got Founders Day the following week. That tent's got to come down and, you know, that you'll be fined for, for not being on that site. So a big showground has to be stripped out and gone and signed off a certificate of clearance by Thursday. And that's, that's by any stretch of the imagination, it's tough, no matter what, what garden you're doing. Um, but, but you really, and what happens? You're exhausted, your contractor's probably exhausted, but who's going to do breakdown? And, and planning breakdown during your show week is completely wrong. That needs to be done way in advance of even going to Chelsea. Your breakdown needs to be absolutely plain. Lorry's booked in, everything booked in. And often, you know, we, we, I've got one now that we still don't know where the plants are going. It's too late, way too late. I mean, there's lorry shortages, there's driver shortages, national shortages of stuff like that. It's too late. We should have known about this two, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, before you start. Mm. So, you know, don't, don't forget the breakdown or, or your breakdown. <laughs> Mental, physical and emotional breakdown. Who else got a question around construction? Any other? All terrified. You're terrified. <laughs> you literally stunned them. Martin, yeah. Just in terms of the process of 
we've got to submit sixth of June. Yeah. There's quite a lengthy window between actually finding out the selection by the right. Yeah. But after that, you've then got a very tight window. So it's about conversations with the contractors and going visiting some of those products and suppliers. Would you rather do that in that window between June and September? Would you rather wait till the November is allocated? Because it's it's a catch twenty two, isn't it, chicken eggs? Yeah. You're using up your valuable time to. You want to get ahead? You want to get ahead? Yeah. I'll let you guys answer that okay. one. <laughs> I think. Generally speaking, we normally hear and start the process um, once the gardens have been confirmed in September. Mm. But I think from your point of view as a designer, the, 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 as much research as you can do into the materials and if you've got the time to go and have a look and see and pick materials, the better. Um, because from September, what I find, and I, I don't know, it might be different from what, but September's when we find out and, and, and we kind of commit, and then we start to work on it pretty much from September. Not all the time, but that just generally mm. kind of builds towards Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, we start going and doing our visits or mm. meeting specialist suppliers, looking at kind of construction methods, talking about the kind of process with the designers, and then everyone goes away for Christmas. January, it's bang, that's mm. when it starts really with mm. the kind of planning, mm you know, the kind of producing lists, itineraries, producing programs, finalizing all the costs, making sure that everything's in place in mm. terms of samples, this mm. is what it's gonna look like, is this what you wanted, is, you know, that's, that's kind of how it works. So normally September, but if you've got the opportunity, I would do as much work as you can up front and, you know, if that means going and visiting suppliers mm. in your time, then, then feel, all the better. Yeah, really. I feel like that gets you brownie points with the construction team if you turn up with yeah. them. <laughs> I, 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 I echo completely. I like to have all our projects wrapped up in, in a box by Christmas, done. So then we can start, so we know all the designs frozen out. And you say, what do you mean frozen out? Well, because a lot of Chelsea designs are changed, you know, from a costing point of view, or it's still evolving, or you'll find that on your development, you'll hit dead ends and things have to change. So if I introduce the construction team too soon, it just gets confusing for them. So I'd sooner issue, this is what we're building. And usually that's, as I say, January. But the, the, the one thing I would want to say about the paperwork, so contractors, and possibly the smaller contractors, are probably not as good. They're artisans, they're not good on the paperwork, but the paperwork needs to be tight. So I'm not talking about the RHS paperwork, I'm talking about your obligations to each other. So do they know exactly, have you told exactly what you want them to do? I hear so many things that, I hear stories on every show year that things, there's been fallouts and there's misunderstandings and I, I thought somebody else was doing that. No, you were meant to be doing that. All that kind of stuff sh should be squared way, well away. You know, this is, you get one chance to get this right. And what you need to do is you don't want any confusion caused by poor paperwork. You know, so, you know, I, I need to know exactly what the design wants us to do and who's doing what. Are we planting the big trees? No, no. Are we planting the sh shrubs? Are we, what are we doing? Uh, and who's, who's doing the maintenance of the show garden? All those things need to be really, really crisply sharpened out. Yeah, almost no grey areas. Um, well, you shouldn't be falling out about final accounts. So, so for, for we, we tend to work on lump sums. You've got a lump of money to build this garden. And what you don't want is a contract saying, well, there's a variation, there's an extra. Th those conversations can't happen. 
So you've got, a, you've got a defined amount of money and you need to be on budget. So the paperwork side needs to be, needs to be gold medal worthy. Right. Tom, I know you've got a question. I'll keep coming The one thing I would say to you is when you're selecting your contract uh, is to make sure that um, you know they are fully committed and all their staff know that there's there's no weekend parties and weekends off with a girlfriend. It's, it's literally they have to be completely fully focused. So absolutely make that really crystal clear. What's get out of jail? What if one of your crew go down? Who? Wh what's the resource plan? Have you got people that we can pull in? And the other thing I would like to say is kind of this, this issue about volunteers. You can have too many people on the site. You can have too many people who say, well, I'd like to come and help you. And you, you cannot have enough willing, capable workers, you know, really people that are committed, but people who just want to sap your energy, you sap your time and just wander around and talk is, is, is not good for the site. Uh, you know, um, Tom made a, a valid point about the health and safety. You've got people, it's, they are very dangerous sites. So you, you cheat to jail, everybody's got telehandlers, machines going off. You know, it, it does worry me sometimes, you know, obviously people that are not used to being around that kind of equipment, you know, we, we've, got to, we've got to just watch over people, but you can have too many people. So, you know, pick the people that you want to be on your site carefully. Yeah. And have a backup plan for your contractors or make sure he's got resource plan. I think we had a question, was it in the corner? Yeah, hey. Some of the most exciting is a bit more about the money. Yeah. So in terms of how the budget is controlled between the designer and the contractor. Yeah. Um, so, and, and what that relationship looks like. Yeah. How much do we pay people ourselves, or is it just one big quote comes from you guys and then you take it over and then, and then uh, pay on? I can answer that from a PGB sure. perspective, you just do. quickly, and then I'll do. check in. Um, so how the PGB contract works is that we contract with you as the designer and if your construction team are going to be like core in there it's good to actually include them in the contract as well because a lot of the funds will be going to them 
and then they often distribute it to the artisans or whoever it might be. So we have a kickoff meeting at the very beginning that basically looks at your budget breakdown, what payment schedule you will need, and then we make payments based on essentially monthly or quarterly sums that are, that go across. So that's how it works from PGB's perspective, but... Mark I mean, every, everybody kind of works slightly different. Sometimes the money, in, if, you, if you're outside project giving back, sometimes the money goes direct to the, to the designer and they project manage it. Um, but we, we tend to work on, and I've, I know there's other contractors have worked on variables and sliding scales. It's way too complicated for me. I go on a lump sum. So we basically break it down and we, we itemize everything that we're doing and what we're doing. So the designer knows that's it. So there won't be no reduction, there won't be any increase, that is it. So it's a lump sum bid is what we, we go for. And then we go on a drawdown. So obviously, you know, I think you, you're in control. I mean, Crocus, for instance, if, Cro if you're working for Crocus, Crocus take all the money, they ring fence the designer's fees and, and they, they, they control the whole thing. So different people work in different ways. Uh, and I, I don't mind, as long as I get paid, I, and I don't mind as long as it's clear. I, I, what I hate is kind of confusion about something that shouldn't be, you know, and, and that's happened to us in the past where there's a misunderstanding. Well, there shouldn't be a misunderstanding really. It's, it should be very, very clean and clear uh, of what the intention is and the money set aside. But as I said, you know, it, it, I think you need a really good handle on it because what you don't know, these are big sums of money. And, and what people don't realise is that the actual cost to us is, you know, you, you're, you're burning time and a half, double time, you're burning an awful lot of money in, in wages. It's huge amounts of money, actually. And the thing is, you know, if we did it for the first time, we could do a freebie and everybody's happy. But I'm doing it every year and I'm, I'm, my guys need to be paid the right money to do the job. Otherwise, it won't turn out. So that's where a big chunk of money is, and it's London as well. So we've got extra on costs of, of operating here. Uh, I mean, the car parking, the car parking alone, I paid the RHS four and a half grand this year on, car, on parking vans, just like this Chelsea. So, you know, these are the real chunks of money, and what you don't want to do is have this gaping hole that comes at you, and it's like, Who's paying? Who's paying? <laughs> Who's paying, you know? I've not, I've not paid for my parking yet. I've still got <laughs> <laughs> You're being dragged. <laughs> Rich, anything you're paying? Why are you paying your just parking? Well, it's a good thing. Maybe you could fight on our cause. <laughs> <laughs> we have to pay to in Burton's Court. Obviously, they're, they're paying a, a massive rental mm. to, uh, to uh, the hospital, and obviously, they're passing it down the line. But that's it, the car park opposite. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely correct. Mm. I mean, it's interesting because it's, things are changing. I mean, obviously, we've got free tea and coffee this year for contractors and they're getting a little bit slicker we paid a, a one-off fee for electricity before we were bringing generators and diesel and all that kind of crap and for you know we i've been banging on about this for years and now all of a sudden we pay 200 pounds and we've got electric from day one so it's great so things are getting better and i have to say you know the process you know, people say, oh, back in the day it was great. No, it wasn't. It was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. I remember, like, 30 years ago, somebody from, with a horse box going and setting up and saying, can you move all this stuff? I, I park here. I park here every year. What? You know, to set, set up his cacti in the, in the pavilion. And, and now you've got a very slick system. You've got a very slick traffic and people who have been there a long, long time who know the process, you know. And it, it's a lot better, it's a lot easier to work there now uh, th than it was 30 years ago. 
it's a lot more organised. Yeah. Um, I think, <coughs> Rich, anything to add? We're yeah, just on, yeah. on the budget thing, just quickly, I think um, there's always a certain amount of transparency as well. We always try to be flexible because we know quite a lot of charities have got a chunk of money and it has to happen for that amount. And I think, again, that's where the kind of early involvement choice of materials, kind of construction methods, all of those conversations with contractors can be really pertinent because, you know, you can get, sometimes you have to work to get to that figure where it's going to happen, where you're going to be able to make it happen. So I think, you know, as Mark said, it has to be clear, but I think you can have conversations, you can work with your contractors and you can see about um, some big single ticket items. We say, look, it's better if you pay the water feature guys direct because there's going to be an uplift if we have that money and we have to issue it to them, so mm. you just deal directly. There's ways and means sometimes that you can help yeah, to, sure. to, to get to that magic figure, but really important that everyone's clear on it. Yeah, and I think just from a PGB perspective, just so you know, we're really clear on it, but from our perspective, we're a registered charity. We do need sort of some element of transparency mm. as well, and we will have those conversations with you. It's not about <coughs> us being like, where's the money going and us wanting to come and count plant pots and bricks and things, but we have to be accountable to the Charity Commission and therefore we need transparency and, and having open conversations with you. And, and it's a two-way thing, you know, you need to be open with us about, you know, with the 2022 cohort, we regularly check in about how they're tracking against their budget, are things going over, where can they, you know, then you get the construction teams in, in place and you talk about well, where can you make that money um, as well, so mm. yeah. Um, we're kind of hitting time, but if you have any questions, grab these guys as they go out the door. Um, I know they've got busy schedules and they've got to get back to Chelsea and to meetings, but I just want to say a massive, massive yeah, thank you to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.